Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Julie Oliver, who is running for Congress in Texas. If you are in Alabama, California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, or South Dakota right now, you have a primary today. That's right, folks. It is Primary Tuesday once again. And today is a big one. There are women on the ballot up and down the ticket in all of these states on both the Democratic and Republican sides. No matter where you fall politically, if you're in one of these eight states right now, you'd better be on your way to vote. Seriously, go vote. It's important. I know you keep hearing me say this, but primaries are a huge deal. If you don't want the establishment deciding which candidates are on the ballot in November, now is your chance. This is what the primaries are all about. It's literally why we have them, so that the voters can select the candidates that they want to represent their party in November. And then, after all the ballots are cast, you can, like me, spend all night hitting refresh on Ballotpedia to find out who wins. Because that's what all the cool kids will be doing tonight. Right? Okay, so I checked out the district that you're running in, and I'm also in Texas, so I know a little bit about it, but it's it's huge. It looks like it takes about three hours to drive from <laughs> like the southernmost border to the northernmost. Is that... that you're correct. <laughs> Approximately 212 miles, top to bottom. I mean, people who don't realize how huge Texas is, and this is not even that big a district. No, there are some who are dealing with far worse. Yeah. Um, but this this is fairly egregious when you have a, a you know an urban population mixed with a bunch of uh, rural counties. But there are some populations or some districts in Texas that just have a lot of uh, rural counties, and uh, those are enormous. So how do you do it? How do you like get in your car and just keep on trucking? Well, you know, when I decided I was going to run. I set an intention where I was like, I just want to connect with people because I feel like that is what has been lost in in politics today. You don't have candidates going and meeting their future constituents. You don't have current uh, politicians going and meeting with their current constituents. And it from day one, I said, we are a lost society. We get behind our devices, our computers, our phones. And we don't make people-to-people connection anymore. Or it's rare. I shouldn't say mm-hmm. we don't do it, but it's rare. Um, and that is what I've, I set out to do. And anytime I start to get tired or fatigued, I just remember, I come back to my intention. But I will tell you what I do. I catch up on podcasts on those drives. <laughs> that is a great <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> True fact, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and get you introduced here. So okay. who are you and for what are you running? My name is Julie Oliver, and I am running for U.S. House of Representatives, District 25 in the great state of Texas. Where in the state is that located? So it starts in Johnson County, which is just south of Fort Worth, and it goes all the way south um, through Austin down to Wimberley, which is north of, uh, really it's north of San Marcos, which is north of uh, San Antonio. So it's a, it's a large stretch. I call it the jalapeno heart of Texas. <laughs> On Wikipedia, if you look at it, it's green and it is shaped like a jalapeno. Yeah, it is. That's true. Yeah. So why did you decide to run? Well, it was summer of last year when Congress was meeting to repeal and replace the ACA. 
And I couldn't believe that they were going to do this. For many people, the Affordable Care Act was the first time that they had had access to reliable health care that wasn't through the emergency room. And for many people who had started their own businesses or gone out on their own where private insurance was cost prohibitive, this was a way for them to afford um, insurance. And I've been in healthcare finance. I'm, I'm an attorney with 20 years of experience, but for the last 15 years, I've been in healthcare finance specifically. And I was astonished that they would want to take this away from millions of people. And one of the benefits of the ACA was the patient, uh, well, in addition to healthcare access, was the Patient Bill of Rights, which prohibits uh, insurance companies from discriminating on pre existing conditions. And I tell people, my son is a pre existing condition. He's the walking pre existing condition. He's had um, issues since he was six years old. And I tell him, if it wasn't for the ACA, insurance would have dropped you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, he, and he got really, really sick in his high school year. So his freshman year of high school, we didn't know what was wrong with him. He has an immune deficiency. But it took about a full year, year and a half to get it diagnosed. We just didn't know what was wrong. And he went to, I mean, every conceivable specialist. And as soon as those bills started rolling in, um, I, I knew, I was like, wow, if the ACA was not enacted, he would have been dropped. Mm-hmm. He would have been dropped. Wow, so that's intense. That's what got me involved, and I and I just kind of looked at the the landscape. I looked at who our president was, and and the um, vitriol coming out of his mouth, the hate coming out of his mouth, and there were no congressional leaders standing up to him on the Republican side. I really thought somebody was going to stand up to him and say, "What you're saying is wrong. Your vision of America is is not who we are. It's not who um, we want to be." And there was silence and silence from the man who is our current representative in District 25. His name is Roger Williams. Not only was there silence, he started voting lock, step and barrel with every initiative that Trump proposed. So he's got, I think, a 96 percent, not approval rating, but he votes in favor with Trump initiatives. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew I had to get involved. I was like, my experience, my professional experience, I can be the voice of reason and I can talk to people about how we actually can get to universal healthcare. But then my personal um, story, which uh, I grew up in poverty, ran away from home and dropped out of high school at the age of 17 and was homeless. And then I got pregnant and had to go back home. And because we were so poor, we didn't have insurance. I was a Medicaid mom. Wow. And... And then I eventually, through government programs, was able to put myself through college um, completely debt-free. There were college programs that could cover my the cost of my public tuition. I went to University of Texas at Arlington. And um, being able to go through college and get educated is a step for people who live in poverty to get out of poverty. And then I was able to help my mom, who lived in poverty. Um, she moved in with me and helped her until the day she died seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And you grew up in Oak Cliff in Dallas, right? I did. I did. What was that like? Because I know most people who, because who, I'm from the DFW area, so I'm, yeah. you know, I know the history of Oak Cliff, but most people don't. So would you mind like giving a little bit of yeah. background about that? Well, Oak Cliff in the 70s, I was born in 1972, um, was a rough part of Dallas. 
And I will give you some examples um, of how rough it was. And when I was a little girl, I think I was five or six, I was swinging on my swing in the backyard and somebody hurled a brick over our fence and it hit me in the face. And I had to go to the the ER and get stitched up. Um, When I was 10 years old, our house had been robbed and it was the seventh time our house had been robbed. We were not there. But whoever broke into our house was armed and our dog was there and our dog was shot. Mm. And that terrified my mother. She was a single mom and she decided to move us to the country after that. So starting in sixth grade, I moved to a little town called Ovilla and Ovilla could not have been more different from Oak Cliff in terms of um, homogeny <laughs> and um, it, it, what's odd is even though Oak Cliff was not necessarily a super safe area in which to live. I felt, even though I got hit in the face with a brick, I felt (laughs) safe there growing up. Truly, I really did. And it felt very strange to go to a place that was so homogenized and so rural. And, um, you know, it was a culture shock for me. But I tell people that this is like the district. Our district is a little bit urban and a little bit rural. And that's, that's how I grew up. Have you always been political? No, I have not. Um, it, no, I actually haven't. It's it's so funny. I never saw myself running for office. I'm actually a bit of an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so this is doing this, stepping out into this very public arena is something that's been outside of my comfort zone. And but I remember it's it's not I'm not serving me. Um, I, I'm doing this to serve this community and, the, and this district. And this district has lacked representation since Roger Williams was elected in office. Mm-hmm. And and so I, as long as I can be mindful of that and remember, this is not about you, Julie, not at all. This is about um, um, making sure that the voices in this district, especially the voices that are the most vulnerable among us, have a voice. So you said you're an introvert. You're running for office. You're involved in all kinds of rallies and protests and marches. (laughs) (laughs) What is this life? (laughs) Oh, I know. It's maybe it's a midlife crisis. I'm not sure. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I crack up. Um, You know, when Trump was elected, there were a lot of people decided to get active um, politically. And I found myself in that category of people. I've always voted. I think there's an election where I didn't vote. When, I, when I've had children, um, when I get, my son was born November 8th, so the year he was born, I think I didn't vote, um, because obviously November elections are right around <laughs> yeah. giving birth. And I was dealing with a child at home who had chicken pox, so I, I do think that I didn't vote that year. But I have always been somebody who, my mother really did instill in us that we needed to vote, that it was our civic duty to vote, and that we didn't, we couldn't complain if we hadn't voted. And... So that was about as far as my political activism got. I mean, yeah, and maybe in in close company and you knew who you were talking to, you could share your frustration with a policy or or something. But I never became outwardly publicly vocal about it until um, Trump was elected Mm -hmm. and and things changed and they changed for not just me, millions of people across this nation and, and thousands of women found their voice. So recently there's been a huge outcry over families being separated from their children at the border and it's it's all across the nation but it's it's particularly personal here in texas 
Um, it is. So how is like are people that you're talking to? Is that a big issue for them? As a huge issue for them, um, the practice of separating children and their families to deter people who are actually legally coming to our borders and seeking asylum. It is not illegal to approach our border and and tell a border guard that you need asylum. That is not illegal. Um, but the practice of separating children and their families to deter that practice of coming to our borders to seek asylum, it's just cruel, it's inhumane, it's counterproductive, and it really goes against everything our country stands for, and it certainly goes against everything I stand for and my faith. Um, it, I, I cannot, I would, okay, 10 years ago, I would never have guessed that the United States would be the perpetrator of this atrocity. I wouldn't have been able to imagine it or fathom it. And that I'm sitting here, you know, talking to you about this, it, it almost seems surreal, but mm -hmm. it is very, very real for the families in this in this country. We actually have a detention center just north of Austin um, called the Hutto Detention Center, and um, many, many immigrants um, have been there. There have been civil rights and human rights uh, violations that have been uh, perpetrated there. Uh, a woman just recently was released from that detention center and she had been uh, sexually abused. And um, when they told her or when she spoke up to her attorneys about it, the folks who run that detention center said, if you continue to speak about this, you will be in solitary confinement for your entire stay. And so there's a psychological abuse in addition to physical abuse, but it's so incredibly traumatizing to children. I cannot imagine something, a crueler, crueler punishment than we could inflict on children than to separate them from their parents. It's just terrible. I mean, every story you hear, is just awful. It is. And that's why we need, okay, frankly, that's why we need more mothers running for Congress. I tell people this all the time. Can you imagine, truly imagine, if Congress was legislating from a heart of a mother? I tell you what, Jeff Sessions would be answering for, for the crimes he is committing. He would be in front of congressional hearings every day because what he is doing is not in compliance with the rule of law. It is an internal policy, and quite frankly, the Justice Department under his leadership is run amok. Mm-hmm. We need more women and we definitely need more mothers in Congress. What has the process of running for office been like for you so far? Well, lots of traveling. <laughs> Going back to that, lots and lots of traveling, lots of, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I had any real idea of what this was like before I got in it, but it's seeking out groups that you can come and speak to or visit. Um, so there are, you know, I'm running on the Democratic ticket so before the primary, it was going to lots of Democratic groups and, uh, you know, just introducing yourself, telling them what your platform is. And whether that's in Wimberley, just south of us, or Dripping Springs to the southwest of us, Marble Falls, Copper's Cove, all the way up to Johnson County, it, it really is just finding groups and coming to speak to them and then block walking, lots and lots of block walking. So I, I feel like the... Um, I was in a runoff, so if in Texas, if nobody wins a primary election with greater than 50% vote, the top two people go on to a runoff. And for us, that was about an 11-week period between March 6th and May 22nd. 
Well, I would say that there were maybe two days I didn't get out there and block walk. And whether that was here in Austin or in counties outside of Austin, it was daily block walking and and trying to hit thousands of households. And just again, it's, it's really the best way to connect with voters is allowing them to meet you. Um, get a sense for whether they can trust you. And when they feel like they can trust you, they will go to the polls and vote, which is, you know, I didn't say it. It's one of our greatest privileges is, is the gift to vote. Mm-hmm. And um, and when you meet people one-on-one, it's there's a real, uh, you empower them to take the process into their hands and, and show up and vote. So your district is both very rural and very urban. It is. Are, are you finding vast differences between the issues that people care about, or are they pretty much the same across the board? Well, some issues are the same. Healthcare across the board is the same. People worry about how they're going to pay for doctors and prescriptions and um, the rising cost of their own health insurance if they have health insurance. However, you can take health uh, care, for an example, and then break that into smaller subsets. The more rural your community is, the more... Uh, rural the hospital is and Mm -hmm. rural hospitals rely heavily on government payments medicare medicaid um, depending on the area in which they live it could even be tricare which is for military families Um, but government payments are essential to to them being able to continue providing operations and services if the government is starting to cut medicaid and medicare services who that hurts disproportionately are rural hospitals, not your urban centers. Urban centers have enough of an insured population that you know they it's not gonna it's not gonna um, be enjoyable, but they can adapt to cuts in government payments. Rural hospitals really can't. So it is vastly different when when you start to get into the minutia of healthcare. But obviously there are other issues that are extraordinarily important. Education across the board is important to everybody. However, the more rural you get in, uh, outside of Austin, you realize that kids are at a disadvantage when it comes to reliable internet service. The most reliable form of internet is their cell phone. So in many of these areas, they don't have reliable broadband. So what you and I are doing right now over this computer, unless you have reliable internet service, you can't do this. So if you're somebody who has a business idea and you're like, I want to get away from the hustle and bustle of the, of the city. I want to move to the country and I want to just work on my computer. For a lot of people, they can't do that. And so if you're talking in an education setting, there are a lot of programs that can augment education that are found online and, and are communities outside of the more urban communities don't have uh, reliable access other than their cell phone. That's so intense. High-speed internet is just a day-to-day living for me, you know, mm-hmm. with my job, with my life, you know, with watching TV. Mm-hmm. But for people, that's not even an option. No, it's not. And so that's one of the issues. Um, uh, and you get into everybody has a sense that they want um, they want a fair a fair shake and a fair say in the process. So that's mm-hmm. universal. But when you have politicians who are able to pick their voters, that leaves the decent majority out of the process. And, and that's why we need campaign finance reform. We need to hold um, 
Well, that's why our, our politicians need to hold town hall meetings so that they can connect with their constituents. They can hear from the constituents what's important. I guarantee you Roger Williams doesn't know what's important to this district because he's never held a town hall meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, he has private events that he calls town halls. However, if the public actually tries to come in, they're denied access. And um, we need to completely reshape how we do campaign financing here so it's not a few wealthy donors who are dictating the agenda for American politics and, and the agenda for Texas. So how can people get involved with your campaign? Well, they can go to oliver2018.com and get involved. There's a get involved button right on the front. It um, will take you to a screen where you can sign up to get emails, but you can also sign up to volunteer. You do not have to live um, in Texas to volunteer. We have we have a text messaging campaign. So if that's something you could in, you're interested in, you can sit in the comfort of your own home at your laptop and send text messages and connect with voters that way. Um, obviously, we need block walkers. We are um, hitting the pavement hard in this next week, starting our voter outreach. And we need thousands of, of people on the ground willing to go door to door. And yeah, it might be a step outside of your comfort zone, but when you think about um, the radical change and the radical shift in American politics from you going to the door and knocking on somebody's door and just introducing them uh, to you and to your candidate, that's a real motivator. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, donating to our campaign is significant. Um, Roger Williams has a million dollars in the bank to begin, and he can draw down easily another million if he had to. So reaching out to people, traveling, uh, connecting with them through uh, our digital strategy and our field strategy, and also through old-fashioned mail. Um, that all costs money. So we would be happy if anybody, even $25, $20, any donation, it, it is so, you have no idea how we can stretch that dollar. It is incredible. <laughs> we are efficient. We are lean. I, I have a finance background and I think part of that comes from there. We, we are not going to do uh, slick TV ads. I think it's a waste of money. It dilutes um it dilutes our message when you have DFW and Austin and Waco, and you have about 14 or 15 different congressional districts, um, and you're hoping that one person is sitting in the chair when your ad comes on. No, that's not very efficient use of our resources. Yeah. We are using our resources very efficiently. <laughs> that's smart. Yeah. So I got one last question. Yes. Um, what is one piece of advice that you have for a woman who might be thinking about running for office right now? I would tell her, don't think about it, just do it. Really, truly, if you are thinking about it, then it's in your heart to want to serve. Step out there. Um, you can connect with other people who are running and they can give you advice. Connect with me. I'm happy to share with people my experiences, how I got started. Um, and honestly, a lot of it was through Facebook, finding groups in Facebook. But um, connect with me, connect with other women who are doing this, and you will be surprised at how many women are wanting other women to, to rise up and get involved in the process. But don't think about it. Just go ahead and, and step out and do it. And it is by far one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. And I have raised four children, I can tell you. It's challenging. <laughs> But it, this has been also one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life, and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change I wouldn't change my decision, not 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 even a little bit. 
the de decision to step out and, and really want to change things was the best decision I've ever made. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, thank you. This was delightful. And that's it for today. Huge thanks to Julie Oliver for talking Texas with me. You can find out more about her and her campaign at oliver2018.com. She's also over on Facebook at Julie for Texas. And you can also find her on Twitter at at Julie for Texas. You can find She's Running on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at She's Running Pod. If you like what I'm doing here, please tell a friend about the show. And that's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.